The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums Podcast, presented by Phil Hinton. Welcome to the Home Cinema Podcast for July. Coming up, I'm joined by Mark Chaffins and Neil Davidson to discuss the comings and goings in the AV industry this month. And we also talk to Hilary Perchant from Sky TV about their Anytime TV and high-definition services. This week's, this week's audio-visual news. news. And as always on the Home Cinema Podcast, we're joined uh, by four members. But this time, uh, we've got two industry personnel with us. As always, we've got Neil Davidson from TNW Marketing. Hi, Neil. Hi, Phil. And uh, new this week to the podcast, but hopefully it will become a regular, we have uh, Mark Cheffins from Onkyo UK. Hello, Mark. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Do you want to quickly introduce yourself to our listeners so they know who you are and where you come from? Yeah, I'm Mark Cheffins. I actually now work for Onkyo. I've spent 17 and a half years in the industry uh, mainly as a custom installer I then decided that uh, I wanted to be at the sharp end of the industry helping to influence possibly products to help installers and I actually now work for Onkyo so I've had quite a, a varied history throughout the industry but I've always stuck firm in the industry are you industry persons through and through, or are you a bit of an enthusiast as well? I'm very, very lucky to be able to say my job is my hobby, and 24-7, 365 days a year, I'm involved in this industry, and I mean, I have been since I was sort of 16, so it's always been with me. If I'm not playing with it at work, I'm playing with it at home. And uh, also, I understand you're a THX technician, so can you just explain what that means? Yeah, um, basically in 2000, I was um, working for a high street retailer. I was a customer installer and I went actually over to Skywalker Ranch where I got my THX certification. I then did it in 2003 because with the new technologies of Dolby Digital and lots more music being influenced in 5.1, they changed around the specifications and generally the specifications are to accurately and consistently recreate what the artist intended you to see and hear so from a set of golden rules that they always use in the post-production suite they actually found that when you transfer that particular feature into the home there were bits going quite weird so they actually introduced a set of specifications for equipment to actually help correct those problems. And there was born um, the THX Home Certification Program. And after having all this wonderful equipment, they then decided they actually needed to preach um, and train people into why they've done it, rather than just making a statement and you see a piece of equipment with a, with a logo on there. It's actually get members of the industry trained up to actually understand why they've actually done this because it's, it's great actually having a logo on a piece of equipment and if no one actually really knows what that means then it's absolutely pointless so i do practice what i preach um as far as the thx certification goes 
and I'm, I'm a firm believer of recreating what the artist or director or producer actually wanted you to see and hear. So I then this year actually had to update my information with THX and actually become a certified technician because they've changed the roles and how they actually do things. So at the moment, I've got three different accreditations. It's great because I can go into dealers uh, and sort of try to explain why this badge is actually here and what it can actually do to help the dealers and the actual end users, the, the general public, and the fact that by going through a set of golden rules, you're going to end up that much closer to the actual feature that whether it be James Cameron or Rick McCallum wanted you to actually see and hear. So, and as, as I said, I practice and preach it, and if you chop my leg off, I'll bleed little THX logos, which <laughs> I do get quite a lot of rip-taking from people that I know about it. Well, but it, hey, someone's got to be the butt of jokes. <laughs> it's it's always a good thing though that the the industry is is doing more and more to improve equipment and and the final product for the end users. Uh, it's certainly something that we preach on the forums. And and Neil, uh, I mean, obviously from an ISF background, more display orientated, but also HAA. So is everybody heading in the same direction here, Neil? Well, I think um, one of the great things between audio and video, and um, one of the main things, as Mark will tell you, the manufacturers as well, everyone's really starting to see the benefits and the importance of a standard-based recreation in the home cinema environment. Uh, It's a way that we can all be sure that end users are enjoying um, their content the way that it was meant to be enjoyed, basically. Um, and by operating to standards in audio and video, it's the easiest way for for all of us in the industry to be sure that home consumers uh, are enjoying it just the way they were supposed to. Well, welcome along, Mark. Hopefully, Mark, you'll become uh, a regular on here. So without uh, further ado, let's move on to the news this week. And uh, we'll just quickly discuss some of the things that are happening in the AV world. First of all, Sharp, and they've introduced the world's thinnest LCD TV measures just 81 millimeters thick and it's going to be part of the brand's current R series, which are around about 85 millimeters thick. So, thinner screens is it what we want? What do you think, Neil? Well, thinner screens are always beneficial, I guess. Everyone likes to wall mount the screens these days. Um, I think there's a lot that you can do already to, uh, to disguise the width of some screens, but I think it's an interesting concept if we can. Uh, keep developing, we'll soon have screens that we can uh, roll out on the wall and it's perfectly flat and I think that'll be good news for everybody. I mean, we have, we have taken quite a step, Mark, haven't we? Gone from the old CRT, which was just as deep as the screen was wide um, and obviously with the new technologies we can get bigger and better screens. Do you see this progressing further as we go ahead? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, as Neil said, I mean, they, they, they're getting better, they're getting thinner and at some point it's going to be rolling out or even holographic TV if they ever actually get in it to work right. But, I mean, to be honest, when when I was installing 36-inch TVs and they were as deep as they were as wide and the move to plasma and LCD, it was fantastic. Anyway, even if they were 100mm deep or 130mm deep, but we're definitely going in the right way. For me, more importantly, is making sure that the image quality 
is isn't sacrificed when it comes to yes, I I would like it as thin as a CD, please. Um, I think they've got to make sure that they keep their game up on keeping the image quality up there, as well as the benefit of the thickness of the unit. Yeah, we're talking about thickness there, and I think you, you hit a very valid point there, and I'll bring Neil back in. I mean, LCD, yeah, it's great, but the technology is still a little bit lacking when it comes to uh, complete picture definition, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the elements, in truth, this is, is true of all of the, the technologies, including CRT. If you look at what your ideal reproduction technology would be, there's still none of them have uh, have hit every single uh, button on every requirement that we would have. So there's still plenty of area uh, for picture quality improvements. And I think that that's an exciting area, and, and Mark's correct. We certainly don't want to see that sacrificed um, in terms of, of simply getting a thinner display. Um, one of the things that was interesting uh, with the, the, the new display technologies, of course, is that it did allow people so much more flexibility in the installation um, and they really did put up with perhaps, there we say, a, a real reduction in picture quality in the first of the new technologies. But now that people have become familiar, and it's interesting now LCD in particular has moved into pure consumer technology, where people who talk about a TV really think about a flat panel. Um, now that that's happened, people are again starting to look at the picture quality. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about high definition in a few minutes. Uh, all of these things are really starting to come back again and people are they're interested in picture quality again. It's not just the convenience because people have come to expect the convenience. So yeah, I'm all for uh, all for picture quality. The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums podcast. Well, we will move on to high def and obviously high def TV as uh, most TV sets that are sold nowadays, especially in the UK, are HD ready. And there was a survey done in the US uh, very recently uh, by a company called DEG. Uh, which estimates that 4.5 million HD TVs were sold during the first six months of 2007 stateside, and that they predict by the end of the year it's possible that American households could reach 36% of all households. So that's an interesting figure-wise. And also to go on from there, um, they've done a, a survey into the typical HD consumer, uh, who will be male, aged between 18 and 34, who drinks imported beer, and shops in electronics and game stores. So, Neil, what do you think of this research that's been done stateside? Um, are we seeing that happening over here as well? Well, first of all, stateside, I don't think the imported beer thing's a surprise. Anyone who likes <laughs> beer drinks imported beer. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that's not a relevant statistic, I don't think. Um, no, I mean, the, the, the HD-ready thing over here, I think, is really starting to pick off. Um, Sky HD now is established, um, people understand. HD DVD, I think, over here as well, for me, is a bit more established. People are a bit more familiar with it. Um, but also with Blu-ray, you know, you can walk into your Virgin or your HMV now and, and see high-definition discs actually available. So, so people are becoming aware that the content is available. Now, one of the interesting things for me in that report was that so few people could tell the difference between the two uh, standards, HD and SD. Um, so for interest, I conducted a, a straw poll with some guests we had over in our house the other night, 
Um, and it was very interesting that most of them actually noted how much better the HD image was than the SD image. So quite interesting that the statistics are there, but um, in a, a very simple straw poll I did that didn't really match what everyone else was seeing. Yeah, this seems to be um, a problem in, in the report that you're uh, referring to, says that uh, while 10% of US consumers believe that they have a high-definition player, only 1% of them actually do. And what's more, 83% of the reported high-definition disc purchases were actually just for standard DVDs as well. So there seems to be an awful lot of confusion um, with people buying HD TVs and then expecting that what they're watching is high-def. Do you think that's a problem, Mark? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I completely agree with that. If you show someone an HD, a good HD image and then a SD image, then people are going to are going to see and appreciate the HD image straight straight off the bat. Um, if they don't, then it would actually be very, very surprising for me or that the setup they're seeing has, isn't being done very, very well. I don't think it's been helped to the fact there are manufacturers out there that are starting to slap HD on everything, whether it be a DVD player that will upscale um, the the premise of actually having a sticker on there with the letters HD hasn't helped, and with HD ready and HD this and HD that because it's become a buzzword. So everyone has, to a certain degree, jumped on the bandwagon. To be, if they can use these two letters in any sort of particular way, they have done or they intend to. So I don't think that's helped the whole high-definition concept, as well as there being HD, DVD, and Blu-ray. I mean, when you actually get down to the nuts of it, nuts and bolts of it, they're, they're, they're both really, really good. You can actually sit there and watch a feature with a high-definition high definition image. To be honest, I don't really think whether it matters whether it's HD, DVD, or whether it's Blu-ray. They're both really, really good. So the enjoyment factor that people are going to get is that much better. And to be honest, interactive menus, do we need them, don't we? Loads and loads of special features, do we need them or don't we? I mean, there's so many. I suppose if you took a poll of a couple of thousand people saying, do you watch special features on a disc? Maybe 50% would say yes, and the other 50% would go, no, I'll just watch the movie. For me, the important thing is being able, people being able to actually enjoy um, a feature in high definition rather than sticking an HD label on this, that and the other. Because it, it, it does get very, very conf confusing and then the industry suffers because people just stand back and go, well, I'm not going to buy anything because I don't know what's going on. And hopefully they can walk into a, a good retailer will actually sit down and actually explain it to them rather than just, yep, just sell them a box. So I, I think it's going to take quite a while for the confusion to get ironed out overall. Mark brought up two really pertinent points that I'd like to pick up on. The, the first one is with DVD players, upscaling DVD players. Um, I see a big problem in my day-to-day -day work training installers and stuff like that. The number of them that believe that when they buy an HD, or sorry, an upscaling uh, DVD player that they should use the upscaling in the DVD and uh, that's the best way to get the good picture and so on. Um, and oftentimes when I show them how to test scaling, it's a revelation for them. 
You know, they, they don't understand that the scaling in the TV oftentimes is better than in the, you know, the 100 or 200 pound DVD player. Um, and I think that if professionals in the industry have trouble with that, it's clearly inevitable that uh, consumers are also going to be confused in the same way. And Mark was right that there are some manufacturers, but in particular some retailers, who are really, in my opinion, skirting the fine line of our advertising standards in the way that they represent uh, these DVDs, you know, scale to HD quality and stuff like that. It's, for, for me, uh, a little bit unseemly to, to represent the products in that fashion. Uh, the other thing that I really wanted to pick up on was the enjoyment that people have of a movie. And at the end of it, all of this is about having entertainment in your house. There's no one needs home cinema or anything like that. It's all about entertainment. And my uh, experience, absolutely, is that once you've calibrated a picture and calibrated sound, people find it easier to become immersed in the experience of watching a movie. Uh, there's less distraction from a bad picture uh, that you know sort of jars you out of the the experience. There's less room interactions or whatever else it is uh, in the sound, which you know again jars you out of reality. Um, and the HD formats really take that to the next level. It's sometimes if you see it on a really nice projector, it can uh, it can almost seem photo real. Uh, when you're watching that, it's like you know watching actors on a stage almost uh, with the realism, and you find that people just become more and more immersed into their content, and I think that's what the high definition formats really bring. As Mark says, well, nice menus and extras and all that kind of stuff. Well, okay, great, uh, but it's really the way that it allows people to become more immersed in the content. And that for me is the exciting thing. Okay, so some good follow-ups there. And um, back to the original question about confusion for the public. And like I say, this thing on one of the, the UK's supposedly top magazines saying you can H, uh, have HD pictures from VHS. How do we combat this misinformation that's in the marketplace? And how do you, do you simplify things for the end user? Well, from my perspective, one of the main things to do is to, uh, to work with professionals within the industry to try and educate them, first of all, because these are the key guys who are they're actually interacting with customers on a, a day-to-day basis. They need to have the correct information uh, given to them, first of all, uh, so that they can you know, pro- progress and present that information correctly to the customer. Um, also, the press uh, need to, I think, take some responsibility. It's true, of course, that they also need the correct information, uh, but they need to take some responsibility for correctly reporting um, how a device actually functions. And you're right, the the Panasonic player that you're referring to, that upscales VHS, okay, very interesting, but we all know that VHS quality uh, ain't going to look that much better, regardless of how good your upscaler is. And really to present that in a fashion that that implies there's life in your VHS tips kind of leaves a bit of a bad taste in the mouth, to be honest with you. And let's move on to the high-definition disc formats out there and uh, an interesting piece of news. I I didn't know whether to laugh or cry at this, but Mickey Mouse is to raise Blu-ray awareness and um, Panasonic are teaming up with Walt Disney Studios to uh, preach the gospel according to Blu-ray. It's all getting a little bit silly in my opinion. What do you guys think? I don't really know. I mean, as I said before, it's... Do they really need to do this? I mean, as far as a movie company is concerned, it's how many units they can sell in a in a particular time period to get one up on 
the competition, which unfortunately, you, yes, we love watching movies and we love sitting down and enjoying a beautifully presented feature. But unfortunately, behind it, it is Hollywood isn't there to make people happy. It's there to make money, which is an unfortunate thing. It may have started um, all those years ago, but when it actually comes down to the guys writing the checkbooks, I mean, the producers make movies because they love to make movies. Actors are in there because they love acting. Um, unfortunately, when it gets to this sort of thing, Mickey Mouse to raise Blu-ray awareness, it's sort of a bit, um, oh, right, is it really worth the effort? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it's such a shame that we've ended up with these two formats because people now talk about the formats and I think we would all agree that, okay, there are some technical differences, but at the end of the day, the presentation of the movies on both formats is so much better uh, than what we've been used to in the past that the general consumer would have been happy with any of them. Now, for either of these formats to succeed, uh, whether we like it or not, it's not everybody who has a 100-inch projection screen in their front room and all this kind of stuff. They need to sell volume. You need to get consumers buying the players. Uh, and then the more people who have the players, the more people buy the content. It's as simple as that. So from the movie studio's point of view, unfortunately, they've all chosen to back various different players um, and the different source formats. Um, and... Quite simply, if people don't have the players, well, they ain't going to be buying the movies from the studio. So it's, it does smack a little bit of you know rolling out the big guns, perhaps Mickey Mouse, America's favourite, blah, 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 um, from, from the Blu-ray camp. But probably what it indicates a little bit more is that because HD DVD has simply got its price down faster to a point where the market is beginning to really accept it, uh, that Blu-ray has to do something and fast. Uh, the production costs and blue laser costs mean they can't get the prices down any quicker. So, well, a publicity stunt like this is probably the best that they can do. So do you think it means that Blu-ray is a Mickey Mouse format? Or, <laughs> am, or am I being... <laughs> okay, M- maybe I was being a little Good bit cruel. Good question. <laughs> maybe I was being a little bit cruel there. But the, the other side of the coin is the HD DVD, uh, the promotions group, they are saying that they are... Uh, player sales have jumped up 37% at the start of this year, which may be a little bit surprising to some on the forums who seem to think that Blu-ray has, has won the battle and, and running away with things. So uh, players up 37%, the software up another 20% on this time last year. So it, are we going to see any winner in this battle, or do you think both are going to survive uh, together for the time being? And we'll go to Mark first. Yeah, I, I mean, I think firstly, I mean, this big format war, I think me personally, the people behind Blu-ray need to be watching their backs purely for the fact the whole VHS and beta situation is, I, I personally, is going to happen again because after recent announcements, certain studios are going to be releasing adult content on HD over Blu-ray when they specifically asked blu-ray first and they said no and i mean we're all we all know there's adult content out there and it's never going to go away whether it's right or wrong is a completely different another long very very long conversation but it sells units and it sells hundreds of tons of units 
on a very, very regular basis. And if they're releasing that on HD and not Blu-ray, that whether that's falsifying the figures or not, it's going to massively increase the market share for HD. How quickly it does it is like unknown, but there are going to be guys out there who are going to be buying it on HD rather than VHS or even on standard DVD. And it's going to massively impact the sales. They're, they, they're going to go up. They're going to just shoot up. And I don't think that Hollywood and the guys who produce Blu-ray for standard mainstream Hollywood movies could actually keep up with it on a unit-by-unit sale. And, of course, obviously, the guys in the HD camp are going to use those unit sales to add into their total unit sales to make it look even better. I mean, it is a very unfortunate thing that we've got to this point with another format versus format. I mean, I really don't like using the word war because it conjures up that there's a battle going on. Um, when, I mean, uh, Neil and myself and other guys like us in the industry are just trying to help and educate and push people forward and so the dealers can give um, the end users a, a good quality product, whether it's them just buying a machine or whether they're having a fully fitted, calibrated home theatre in the house. And there's always these sort of dark overtones of, oh, but do I want HD or do I want Blu-ray? It's like, uh, okay, I mean, me, me at home, I've got HD. There's certain movies that I'd love to have, but they're only available on Blu-ray. So what do I do? Do I go? Do I buy both machines? Do I stick with one, hope that one wins, and then they release the back catalogue again on the format that I've got? I mean, it's all, it is up in the air, but it does need the general public to actually make the choice for them. That's what they're, they're waiting for. People who are sitting on the fence waiting to see what happens, don't stop sitting on the fence. Make your choice because your choice will make the final choice the final choice of what happens and if that means both formats simultaneously run absolutely fine we've just then got to push the um, distributors and the movies into thinking well we need to produce both to, for us to make money we need to produce as Warner have done HD one side Blu-ray the other absolutely fantastic idea they should be patting themselves all in the back they've got it covered as long as they do that for the movies I don't see Warner Brother having a problem at all. Okay, just to raise a couple of points from there. First of all, the the whole porn thing. Um, People might think, yeah, but you've got the internet nowadays, and um, do people actually buy adult DVDs and adult VHSs? Well, um, that was raised on the forums a few months ago, and I actually did some research. The actual software outsells anything on the internet by at least 8 to 1. Yeah. So that means that there are... Um, hundreds of thousands of these adult DVDs sold each year over and above anything that's on the internet because people are still a little bit dubious about handing over their credit card details and so on on the internet. So, yeah, uh, that argument certainly holds true um, from all the evidence that we've seen so far. However, there hasn't been a great influx of adult titles um, on either format. Um, there's, I think there's only about 9 or 10 on HD DVD at this moment in time. So it certainly needs to go a little bit further um, for that to take off. I don't know what you think, Neil. Do you think that that's a, a viable argument or do you think that that's um, something that, that might just fall by the wayside? 
Well, I mean, it's it's one of the things, but you can you can even go beyond the content aspect. At the end of the day, the only thing that all of these companies uh, are producing all of this great stuff for us to make money. Mark hit it right on the on the button earlier on. It's all about money, unfortunately. Um, the the format, if there is such a thing that will win, is simply the format that can deliver the most money to the studios. Uh, the studios will make the most money by selling the most uh, discs, and probably the format that's going to have the most discs on it is the one with the cheapest player. Uh, at the minute, the one with the cheapest player by a mile is HD DVD. Uh, and also, it's very interesting for people to know how much cheaper it is to make an HD DVD than a Blu-ray disc. Um, that's something that can't be ignored as well. So if you take these two factors into account, HD DVD is suddenly looking at an extremely strong position. Um, if you also look at who's producing players and stuff like that at the minute, there's still not a huge amount of choice between the players. But again, I think you're going to see that HD DVD just has a bit more bit more choice available for people, which again is simply going to drive the cost down. And as soon as we see one of these players uh, dropping below the, the £200 mark on a regular basis, I think that signs the, the, the death warrant for the other format, to be honest with you. And there's another couple of things that have happened in the industry over the last um, couple of months. Fox have withdrawn um, their Blu-ray content for the time being. And no word as to why they've actually withdrawn the content. Lots of rumours going around that it's because of the copy protection and so on. A lot of other rumours saying that maybe they're having another look at it and thinking that maybe they'll follow Warner and Paramount and go um, dual format. That could be interesting if that happens. I mean, again, it just comes down to money. Warner and Paramount, they don't care what player you've got. So they can sell copies of their movies to anyone who has invested in an HD player. They will simply sell more movies uh, than one who, for example, has only gone with the Blu-ray format in particular at the minute. And just to make uh, one more point on that particular subject of who's going to win the format war, as I've said on the podcast a couple of times in the past, I actually think they're fighting over a fairly short-term business model. Uh, As soon as we have uh, the bandwidth around the world for people to be able to download this content, uh, then that's when you're going to see the actual... Uh, delivery mechanism, which is all these discs are, it's just the delivery mechanism is going to move right into an over-the-internet model uh, and that's going to be, I think, a great thing for consumers once we have that bandwidth. One of the things that's not so familiar to a lot of people but a device that I'm lucky to play with quite often is a Kaleidoscape movie server. Now, a Kaleidoscape server, uh, for people who've, who've never used it, is a joy to behold. It shows you all your content Everything slides around. You can jump into and out of particular scenes, kind of like using iTunes almost, but for movies. Now, one of the things that you can do in the States with Kaleidoscape is you can download very, very recent releases onto that particular device. Now, of course, it's a premium product and all this kind of stuff, but we're going to see this really moving down again. So perhaps in five years' time, uh, I think that you'll find that a lot more of us are able to simply download very, very recent releases uh, to enjoy in our own homes and our own home cinemas uh, without having to worry about what the delivery format actually is. Now, that is a very interesting point, and um, just to round up on the the whole HD player thing, um, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there, Neil, regarding where we're going in the future. And that, uh, personally, I think 
HD DVD Blu-ray has about maybe an eight-year lifespan um, before it's it's superseded by something else, and I think it will be downloading. I've been playing with the PlayStation Three uh, over the last week, and one thing that that's really sort of caught my imagination is the download capability there. All right, you can only download HD ten eighty trailers at the moment. Um, but the quality is excellent, and the download time isn't that excessive. So, if we're talking about downloading full movies um, with the various codecs and with the various soundtracks, and it all comes down to one media hub, it, it's certainly a, a very um, appealing future, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, once you, ex- it's the convenience of it, Phil. Uh, you've found it. I found it immediately with the PlayStation Three, um, and also when you take it on to next levels and dedicated devices. You know, even a media center PC gives you this this interactive uh, experience with your content, whether it's your music, your photos, your videos, or anything. You just have the stuff available to you. We've become a a very fickle nation. We don't have such long attention spans or anything anymore. We want to be able to just jump in and pick our content and and use it. I mean, that's why you know TV on mobile phones and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but it's the fact that we can get that delivered so conveniently when we want it. You know, we don't need to go out to a store or anything like that. We simply pick it off a screen in our living room and there it is, ready to go. That's what's going to win through. Mark, just to finish up on this, do you have any thoughts on on the download feature? Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree with you. I mean, that's ultimately for the movie companies, that's the cheapest possible way to sell the product. They've got no manufacturing costs apart from having a huge, great big server. I think the only limiting factor is the infrastructure of the actual delivery method um, within the UK. I mean, I heard that B, uh, I heard on some sort of side note that BT are going to be completely reshaping the telecom system over the next few years to be able to give services of like sort of 100 meg download speeds. Now, then makes it completely different. Um, it pretty much knocks piracy on the head because they will be able to protect their content um, very, very securely. They will decide how long you can keep it on your hard drive device or solid-state device when we get that far. Um, And they'll be as happy as a dog with two tails because they've got complete control. They've dictated to the general public how you're going to enjoy this feature, irrespective of the quality of the feature. They've got no production cost. They can just sit there, press a button, and the latest movie is there for everybody to download. They charge a premium for the HD content um, and a, a little bit less for the SD content for, for those people who just want to have a in-the-home blockbusters style. But, yeah, it's... I think a large proportion of it will go go that way, but I think there still will be the hardcore group of people who actually want a physical disc in their hands for whatever reason. So if they can iron out that group of people so it's only download, then they've got complete control, they're happy, they're making maximum money, and the end user, consumer, won't have a choice in the matter. They, at a certain period of time, the DVD machines that they're buying, whether it be HD or Blu-ray or SD, will have an Ethernet port. And the only way you can actually watch or watch the movie that you purchased is you put the disc in, it goes online, and it gets an authorization key. And it will only play in that machine. If you take that disc out and lend it to Bobby, your next-door neighbor, 
as soon as he puts it in, it deauthorizes your machine and authorizes his machine. So if you've made a copy and you're thinking, well, I'm going to watch that, and both of you attempt to watch it at the same time, not going to happen. So, I mean, there's lots of things in the industry that they're trying to do, but ultimately, hopefully, it's not going to be at the sacrifice of the presentation. Obviously, downloading content, there's always lots of problems. You get a glitch and you've got to re-download. So I think there's the opportunity for problems if it isn't done right, but ultimately... Hey, it's having your pizza delivered to your door within 10 seconds of hitting click. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I want to reserve judgment, but I think it's on the way, whether people like it or not. And I think um, some could argue that it's already here. Um, Sky launched Anytime TV two months ago. I've got Anytime TV, and I've got to say I'm very impressed with it so far, especially for the HD content. Uh, lots of HD film content on there. Some of it before it even hits the movie channels. I think Children of Men was premiered a week in advance on the HD on Anytime TV. And we've actually got Hilary Perchard coming up later on the podcast um, to tell us all about Anytime. So we'll come back to this subject a little yeah. bit later and on. You, you can't forget that Mur- Murdoch owns 100% of Fox. <laughs> That's got to have something to do with it. Of course it has. <laughs> well, it, it, it's all interesting stuff, and I'm sure in the months to come ahead, uh, we're going to have plenty to talk about here on the podcast as these things develop. And before we uh, we finish off today with uh, with our chat about the news, um, Mark, we don't normally do this, but we'll we'll let you uh, a little bit of a promotion here on the podcast. Onkyo UK uh, releasing new amplifiers, new generation amplifiers, um, which can accept all the latest high-def uh, sound formats, and uh, the majority of them seem to be THX certified as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about them? Brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've got uh, six new um, AV receivers that um, are being launched. Some are already out. Uh, some are due at the end of this month and uh, middle of next month. As you said, they will, apart from the, the cheapest model, which retails at £250, from £400 up, they will all do Dolby Digital, True HD, and DTS HD Master Audio. Then from £600, they're THX certified. Now, uh, when people go on the web and actually have a look, there are two THX certifications, and that's Select and Ultra 2. Now, for people who don't know, it's only room size. That's the whole reason there are these two sort of regulations to the THX badging, as it were. The processing is the same because obviously in the States, they've got very, very large rooms and the average American toilet is the size of an uh, average UK living room or European living room. So they decided to reduce the power output specs to allow for Europeans. So in theory, the watch would happen on the average, the average European guy would buy a THX select receiver because he doesn't need as much power as a guy in the US. Because um, I know, because I've already had um, a few people asking me on the forums and via phone, why are these, these two specs? So I thought I'd add that in. But the most important thing, at £1,000, we're actually launched, uh, launching um, an AV receiver with a built-in scaler other people have done this but we've actually done this with hqv which is from silicon optics now it's reportedly the best 
video processor in the planet. You know, if no one's going to claim that they're the worst. <laughs> so I've seen it, I've played with it, and it is very, very good. All our models have HDMI inputs. Uh, the base model at £250 is HDMI switching only. All of the other models will take any signal and output it via the HDMI lead, which is great. It reduces the mess of cabling behind any sort of AV amp. So a lot of people are a lot happier. Run one lead to their screen, that's it. Also, with the two upper models at £1,000 and £1,400, you've got the benefits of this onboard scaler, which means you can feed any signal into it, and if you want to, you can output 1080p. So, I mean, we, we believe that it's definitely the strongest range that we've ever launched, and in the marketplace at the moment, we, we've got um, a world first, obviously, with the DTS and the Dolby HD audio side of things, and we fully intend to keep up the pressure of being able to supply a fantastically good product to um, the consumer out there so they can actually benefit from a high-quality electronics, supplying a high-quality picture and quality audio. One of the issues out there at the moment is the fact that most HD players um, can't pass the DTS Master Audio um, over HDMI at the moment. How long do you think it will be before we get over that stumbling block and, and people can actually use the, the decoding within the new amplifiers? Well, I can guarantee that stumbling block will be overcome when we actually launch our HD DVD player. There's another plug for us there. Nothing like self-promotion. Um, and obviously with the issues, um, one of the most flexible units out there is the PS3 because it is software updatable at the press of a button. Hopefully Sony will you know, be hot on their heels to actually do this to people because they're only going to sell more PS3s if they do do it, especially in this side of the industry. I'm not forgetting gamers because gamers now have got a whole world of interactive playability. Not only they get good, high-quality, high-definition picture, they've got this fantastic sound that they can actually plug their PS3 or their Xbox into one of our receivers or many other receivers. I'm not, not going to choose, uh, I'm not going to be specific on any AV receiver and get at least 5.1 off a lot of games, which is great. Again, it's that these guys produce these titles, whether it be Halo or Gears of War, but they, they spend this trouble, time and effort, making these fantastic soundtracks. A lot of gamers aren't experiencing that, which is half, half of the feature and half the enjoyability, running down a, a corridor, firing a machine gun, and hearing the shell cases actually rattle off behind you and echoing down this hallway. It's fantastic. So, I mean, so, I mean the, the HD side of things, I mean, I believe Toshiba will be doing an update when they do that. I... Obviously, I, I'm, I don't know because I don't work for Toshiba. But as long as the unit has got this future proofability as much as it can do, then, to be honest, I don't think it's going to be long before this issue is corrected because I think they'll be mad not to because they're, they're just going to lose sales to the model that does. Again, obviously, this industry is a business, so people don't want to lose out on sales, so the, if the consumer demands that they do it, then 
they should do it. I mean, I know from our HDD, HD DVD player that ours is going to output fully the DTS Master Audio and the Dolby Digital uh, True HD. So from, from our point of view, we, we haven't got any issues at all. We're going to be supplying a product that completely integrates into our AV receivers. Okay, Mark, so um, just to round up, the models start at 250 up to £1,400. How have you managed to get THX Ultra 2 certification and such a large amplification in at such, such, such um, a price level? Because looking back to your last products um, on the marketplace, your top-of-the-end amplifier was £4,000. Um, so how have you managed to, to get all this technology on board for much less money this time around? Yeah, uh, one of the things is we make a lot of them, and I mean a lot of them. Um, so obviously the quantities of materials that we're, we're purchasing, it makes a big difference. We're, we're a global company, so we're making for the whole world. And also we've decided to be aggressive, to let everybody know we're here. And the fact that with the Onkyo has been doing world firsts ever since the first THX certified integrated receiver. We were the first people in the world to actually release that. I mean, it was a complete mammoth of a unit. I mean, it's gigantic. But we did it. Also, I mean, the difference between the NR5000, which we were talking about at 4K, and this new unit, um, I mean, just one of the reasons was there's over 10, cha- there's 10 channels of amplification in the NR5000. But there isn't in the £1,400 unit, the 905. Where, and when I say that, I mean there isn't two sets of left, two sets of right, two sets of centre, and so on. And the actual technology development of, okay, to do a multitude of tasks on the NR5000 may have taken six chips. With the development of technology, we can get that down to two chips. So as technology marches on, it's actually given us flexibility to integrate things more so within the amplifier and present a better product because obviously time marches on and technology only ever gets better. We're we're very, very proud that we've been able to do this range of AV receivers and actually launch them and actually have such such a large appreciation from people of going out, purchasing these units and actually really enjoying them. Um, I mean, just looking through the AV forums, I mean, it, it's absolutely fantastic on the, the, the take-up we've had on what was normally perceived to be a little-known brand in this country. Um, a lot of people don't know that we're, we're global to the point where we, we're we in every single country. And in other, a lot of other countries, we're very, very prominent. I think other manufacturers have had it their way for such a long time it needed the cobwebs dusting off I think is the politest way I can say it (laughs) and wake everybody up and that's what we've decided to do so if people want to find out more about these uh, new products from Onkyo they can head over to your website give us the website address yeah, it's www.onkyo.co.uk. And if they have any technical questions, they can head over to the forums. There's a couple of threads, as you say, running it in there. Um, and you'll also be in hand to give any technical uh, help for uh, yep. end users? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm on there as often as I can get get on there. Um, my username's Onkyo UK, so um, 
whenever you see that, that's me doing that. So um, obviously being a husband and father to two kids and my job entails me to be away from work, I, I try and get on there as often as I possibly can. But if people have got specific questions, they can always PM me um, and I'll get, I'll get back to them straight away. Excellent stuff. Uh, let's finish off with all the uh, self-promotion now. That's it. Finished. Gone. <laughs> we, we, won't, we, we won't talk about Onku anymore on this podcast, we promise you. But there you go. The very important products. Um, so we thought we'd give Mark a chance to speak about them. So thank and you, thank Mark. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, so moving on with these new sound formats. And very quickly, Neil, just to, to round up on the AV scene for this month. Dolby Digital True HD DTS Master Audio or even uncompressed, lossless PCM, have you had a chance to listen to them, and what do you think of these new formats? Yeah, I've had a fair bit of chance to listen to uh, to them, and they definitely make a real difference. I find it quite funny sometimes uh, when we are really letting people hear the, the difference in their home cinemas uh, using these formats, and they go, but it's quieter, isn't it? It's quieter. And it's, well, it's, it's not quieter. It actually has dynamic range. So that's the big, big thing that I really notice with these formats is they have such a much, much better dynamic range. So you actually have quiet passages and then something really loud can happen. Fantastic. Okay, so uh, moving on and we're going to talk about Sky HD and Anytime TV. And uh, to talk about this, we have a special guest from Sky TV who's coming along now. Join the discussion at Europe's largest home cinema website. Log in to avforums.com. The AV Podcast Interview of the Week with Phil Hinton. Sky TV have been a leader of innovation in the UK subscription TV world for as long as many of us can remember. From its humble beginnings providing a small number of channels, the company can now be considered the leader in next-generation TV content. Joining us to discuss Anytime TV and their high-definition service is Hilary Perchard, Sky's Head of Advanced TV Products. Hello, Hilary. Hi there. Just to get us started, I'm going to go straight into the questions today. Can you explain to our listeners us what Sky Anytime is? Well, Sky Anytime is, is, is actually a collection of products um, across, um, and it's all about getting more out of your TV and more out of your TV viewing. So it, it covers things both on your TV, on your PC, and on your mobile phone. Now let's talk about, about the TV in a, a little bit more detail in a minute, but first, on PC, what we've been trying to do is, is give um, our customers a download service. We're introducing things like three episodes of content over the last couple of weeks. Um, we're also doing sneak peeks of shows, so um, this weekend we're doing a sneak peek of Weeds. On our mobile service, we want to, we're giving people a program guide so they can see what's on TV, and we're also offering remote records. So there's a, sort of a good selection on, on our other platforms. On Specifically on TV, we launched our, our Anytime on TV service um, about a month ago now, um, and it's all about customers discovering the, 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 the latest and the best in TV. It showcases the best programs that are going to be on Sky that week enables um, people to watch them whenever they want and then if they like them to go and find them in the schedule and watch more of the episodes. Can you explain how the system actually works and who's going to benefit from the service? So, so the service is available to customers with um, later Sky Plus boxes and Sky HD boxes. The service works by using a piece of the hard drive that we've kept to one side 
um, and we download content off of our satellite on a daily basis into that piece of hard drive, and it sits there available for customers to watch whenever they want. When you go into it, there's a menu of all the different programs that are available, and attached to each program, there's a, a mini trailer that shows in, the, in, in, a, in a window in the corner of the screen. As you roll over each program, you get a trailer for the show. If you decide you want to watch it, you press select, and the program just starts playing after, after a couple of promos and adverts. Um, and you can you pause and rewind it just like you'd be able to on a Sky Plus box. Now, some people have Sky Plus but won't be able to get the service. Can you explain why that is and what those people will have to do to get the service in the future? Yeah, sure. Um, well, we're always trying to improve, improve our Sky Plus box. And when, when, we, when we started, when we launched with Sky Plus, it was a 40-gigabyte box so with, uh, which stored about 20 hours of TV programming. Um, as, obviously, hard drives improved, we, we were able to put a bigger hard drive in the box, and it was at that point that we recognized that we would want to offer these kind of services. So when we had essentially had the hard drive available, we changed the box to include the bigger hard drive that would enable us to do this. Um, so that means that anybody after that point with a Sky Plus box after that point can offer it. And we, you know, this is, what's important is we're always trying to improve our products and always trying to make them better. And we have to, to have some cutoffs where we make the product better. What we're doing for those customers who can't get um, any times on, on their older boxes, we're offering them an upgrade offer. Um, so all of, all of our customers will have been sent a letter that includes an offer either on Sky HD or Sky Plus to upgrade. And how much is it likely to cost to upgrade to those services then? So all of our customers will, be, will have been sent a letter that includes an offer that's specific to them. So either they'll get the letter in the post or if they wish they can phone up our customer service centre and, um, and the agent will see the offer on their account so they, they can choose that offer if they like. Okay, um, if you only subscribe to a few channels, i.e. you don't have the full Sky package, uh, will you still benefit from Anytime TV and will the service mirror your subscription? Well, it's important to say that Anytime TV is a free service for all customers, so anybody can access it if they've got a Sky Digital subscription. Um, what we do is we download a mix of, of programs across all the genres into the box, um, and we download the same um, range of, of programs into all boxes, although what customers will find is that some boxes pick up slightly different programs just because of what the what what programs the boxes are picking up, but we offer this, all the same programs to all boxes. So if I only have a, a subscription for, say, the family pack, can I still go and watch a movie on any time? No, you can only watch the programs that are available as part of your subscription pack. So if you've got the, the, the family pack, you'll be able to watch programs from the family pack. And what we're, what we're trying to do is ensure there's a mix of programs across all the genres in the box. Now, Anytime is a free service, like you said, to Sky subscribers. Is it going to remain free for, you, for use in the future? Absolutely. At the, at the moment, we have no plans to offer any paid services on, the, on, on Anytime on TV. It's, a, it's an added value service that's about discovering the latest and best in TV. Now, what is the selection process for adding programming to Anytime, and how do you decide what to show? And uh, is there at any point going to be uh, a service to allow viewers to request content? So um, Anytime, Anytime TV is there to showcase the, the, the best of the week's TV, whatever that is across whichever channels we've got. So at the moment, we've got some channels signed up to the service bringing us content. Our aim is to add more channels in the future so we can choose programs from a wider selection of channels. And at the moment, it's all about choosing the best from those channels, whether it's the latest blockbuster, blockbuster series or a hidden gem that you might not otherwise have found. 
Now, will there be an option in the future to filter programming um, as some users of the service would like to get rid of, say, the children's content and add more premier content in its place? Will that be available? Um, there's always already an option on, on the um, Anytime service to filter by genre by using the coloured buttons to filter, filter out programmes. But at the moment, we have no plans, in the, certainly in the short term, to, to download specific content or offer, offer up the opportunity to have specific content on your box. But over time, you will see more shows being added, and the mix will change, and you'll probably see more, more of um, series content and less, and less of the children's content over time. Now, there's quite a number of HD films listed on Anytime TV each week. If you're an HD subscriber, will these be exclusive or premier films? Um, we're using the Anytime service at the moment to offer, offer our HD customers as many of the premieres as we can. In fact, what we're doing is we're showing some of those premieres before they air on our normal TV service. Um, for example, over the last few weeks, we've been showing we we had Children of Men, which was shown on any time before it was shown before it was premiered on Sky Premiere, which is, we think is just a great little benefit for, for for Sky HD customers. And is that likely to continue into the future? Certainly, that that's the position at the moment. We plan to continue doing that. Yeah. Now, will there be uh, a high content list of HD programs for the HD subscribers on Anytime TV? Yeah, that's a, a conscious decision that, that, that we've made, that four HD customers will recognise that they you know, enjoy the HD experience, so we're trying to ensure that as much as possible of the content in that box is, is available in HD, and if we've got the, the content in HD, in HD, we'll put it there in HD. But what that won't stop us doing is if there's a really great show that we can't get in HD, then we'll obviously put it there in, in SD, because we wouldn't want our customers to miss out on a great piece of TV. Now, is the Anytime TV service running at full strength right now, or can we expect further content to become available over the next few months? We're talking to studios all the time at the moment, um, and uh, you know, absolutely our objective is to make this as rich a service as possible. Um, it really does work when it, when it highlights the best of the TV across many, many channels, and we're talking to a number of channels at the moment. Um, and I think, you know, from the channel's point of view, it introduces people to shows they might might not otherwise have found on their channel. So it really, sort of enables people to dig into some of those channels that are, that are further down the program guide. Now, finally, on the Anytime TV service, uh, the service updates with new programming. But when does that actually happen? Uh, does that happen daily? Uh, what kind of the day does that happen? And do you have to leave your box switched on, or will it update in standby? Um, so let's just answer those questions in stages. Um, we um, offer programs to the box or we download programs to the boxes on a daily basis. The way we do it is that we, we broadcast the program a number of times through the day. So one box might pick it up first thing in the morning and another box might pick it up towards the, un the end of the day. And in fact, if a box is busy recording all day, it might not pick up that particular program. What's actually important for those of you who are a bit more technical is, is whether there's a tuner available. In a Sky Plus box, there are two tuners. Um, you can use those either to record two programs or to watch one program and record another. If you're watching one program recording another or you're recording two, two programs, then there's no tuner available and it won't be able to record the program from the satellite. If either of those tuners are, are available, then it will record the program off the satellite. And what we do is we offer the program a number of times through the day, as I said, so that there's a number of opportunities for your box to, to pick up the program. Now, Hilary, before we, we leave the Anytime uh, subject, there has been uh, a number of issues raised by our forum members about boxes crashing. Um, can you comment on that in any way? Well, 
what happened was, was whenever we download a big piece of software to, to our boxes, it obviously puts a bit of strain on the boxes, and any the anytime software was was a, was a big software update to, to those boxes. Um, as a result of that, and we had uh, some problems with a very small, a very very small number of boxes, um, which we've which we've worked with our customers to, to rectify as quickly as possible. So we've either been able to resolve those over the phone, or we've given those customers a service call to resolve those those problems. And since then, we haven't had any significant problems with the box. Now, it's just been over a year since the launch of your high-definition service. Um, are you happy with the growth? Absolutely. Um, uh, HD was, was the product that I joined Sky to launch, and uh, I'm incredibly pleased with its success. Um, we've got 292,000 customers signed up in the, uh, in the first year and using the service, which is our fastest-growing ever additional TV product. Since we launched, we started with... Um, around about 3,000 hours of HD programs a month, and we're now at around 5,000 hours of HD programs a month. So not only have we got you know, lots of people using the service, we've, made, we've made, made the service even better and in continuing to improve it all the time. So, yeah, I'm incredibly pleased. So do you see high definition being a major part of your company's development over the coming years then? Absolutely. Again, it's, you know, it's already an important part of everything we do. As you can see, all of our major channels now offer HD services. We're continuing to improve those HD services. We're, we're incredibly proud of our HD service. It's better than any other HD service in, in the market at the moment, and in my opinion, by, by a long way. Um, so, yeah, we're incredibly pleased. Now, there are a few dissenting voices amongst our forum members about the upscaling issues of normal SD programming on channels like Sky Sports HD and Sky One HD, uh, and obviously the lack of proper HD material on these channels. What are you actually doing to make more content available on these channels in full HD? Yeah, this is something that we've noticed well. We read the forums as well, and we listen to our customers and what's going on. Um, so um, uh, over the last six months, in fact, I've been looking at ways in which we can prove the amount of programs on our, on our HD service. And so on Sky Sports specifically, you'll find that over the next month or two, the amount of programs on our, that are in HD on our Sky Sports service will double. Um, and we've done that by doing a couple of things. One of the things we've done is ensured that all of the repeats and edits of all of the football games that, that we show in HD are now available in HD as well. We've, we've bought a, a number of new bits of equipment to enable, enable us to do that. Um, we've also added some, some, some more events. It's, it's actually quite difficult to add more events on Sky Sports in HD now because we've, we've done all the big stuff. We've done the Barclay Premiership, the Carling Cup, the Coca-Cola League, the Guinness Premiership Rugby, the list goes on. But there are a few more that we've added. We've added under-21 football. We're, we're adding um, um, some, some horse, some uh, show jumping, sorry. Uh, we're adding some, some darts, some snooker. So some of the, the more peripheral events are being added to, to, to HD now as well. On Sky One, um, again, we, you know, we recognise that people want want more HD shows. So we've made an absolute commit, um, commitment to to all of all of our commissions, or as many as we can possibly do, being in HD. So um, through the autumn, 90% of our commissions will be in HD, which means that around two thirds of all of our prime time um, programmes will be in HD. So um, there's, a, there's a great deal happening in HD this autumn. So do you see it viable yet to start producing more material in HD, such as, say, Sky News? Yeah, well, we're, we're already producing a, a, a lot more programmes in HD, both across Sky One and across Sky Arts. 
News, however, is, is an interesting one. Um, although the studio stuff is relatively st straightforward to deliver, the stuff that's out on the road is, is quite complicated because um, it's very regionalized, a lot of it is live, a lot of it's done on, 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 on small cameras that are quick and light and easy to move around. So I think it's unlikely that we will move to an HD news service in, in the short term. Is it a case that Sky will be buying more HD content from your programme providers? And, and what kind of pressure are you actually putting on those companies to produce in HD? As I said on Sky One, um, um, we're doing 90% of our, our commissions in HD this autumn. So um, we're, that's the pressure that we're putting on, on them. We're asking them for HD shows and, and, they're, and they're delivering them to us. But the other things we're doing is we're sort of going out to the whole production community and, and explaining how you make HD shows and supporting them in improving their facilities to offer, offer HD shows. Now, it is pleasing that more films are being available in HD on the two channels uh, which are running at the moment. What plans do you have, now that all the major studios have signed up with Sky, to increase the movie channels to, say, a 24-hour service and maybe show more films on, on a daily basis in HD? As you, as you say, we've, we, we've already added a lot of studios and there's, there's a lot more movies available in HD and we're adding movies into the Anytime TV service. One, one of the other things we've done, and this is less about HD but more about our SD service, is we recognise that our SD customers are saying, well, we've seen those HD channels and we really like them. We'd like them to see, see them as well. So we added um, Sky Movies SD1 and SD2 so that our SD customers can see those HD channels and we're continuously looking at those HD channels and, and ways in which we can improve it so no, nothing, nothing to announce at the moment um, but watch this space for the future. Now correct TV calibration is rightly becoming more important as we enter the HD age with companies like ISF and other bodies managing to get manufacturers to follow their lead and provide calibration tools for their technicians. You recently introduced the Sky HD test cards, and obviously I want to congratulate you on introducing this service. Um, I'm a real stal stalwart when it comes to TV calibration. I was very happy to see that happen, uh, especially for something that the public could use. Are there any plans to introduce an advanced version of calibration tools for professional calibration experts to use, such as ISF technicians? I'm with you, actually. I, I, I'm really pleased. Oh, I really like to see TVs well set up, and I was really pleased with with our test card, it's enabled me to get my TV set up at home perfectly as well. So um, we're incredibly pleased um, with, 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 the, with the test card. It was, it was quite a lot of effort from a number of people to get it, as, as, uh, get it really right. And we worked with our technical people very closely to ensure it was as good as possible. Um, so we, we've, we've done that, and uh, this time we don't have any plans to extend it any further. It's certainly something we'll think about, and, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll see what the feedback is and see where we go from there. When can we expect to see more HD content and channels becoming available and will these still be available for the £10 a month subscription or as more channels are added, are we likely to see that subscription rise? We've got no plans at all at the moment to change the £10 subscription. We think it represents great value for money. We've, we've moved from um, around 3,000 hours of HD programmes a month to now to around 5,000 hours of, of HD programmes a month. So we've already improved the value for that, that £10 a month significantly. And we're going to aim to continue to, to improve that, the, the value for money that that £10 a month, month represents. Uh, it's great that most HD material and SD film material is available in Dolby Digital over the service. However, uh, we have had reports of numerous problems with volume mix issues such as uh, a low centre channel volume or lip sync problems. What steps are you taking to correct these issues? Um, yeah, I, I've read some of those comments on the forums as well and, and we've taken them to heart. Um, 
uh, over the summer we're planning some improvements um, that both to the set-top box and also to our facilities at Sky to, 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 to correct some of those problems. And you should see by, by the end of August or the beginning of, of, of the autumn the majority of those problems resolved. That's excellent news. And for football fans such as myself, uh, will all the live football coverage be in HD this season? Um, well, certainly all, all, yeah, all, all UK-based football um, will be in HD um, if it's live. So all Barclay Premiership, Champions League that's in the UK, Coca-Cola Cup, Carling Cup, plus the, plus the under-21s, which we added this year, and all the European qualifiers that are, that are, that are in the UK, absolutely. Now, what future do you see in the UK for high-definition content? And do you think that Ofcom's latest decision on not allowing extra bandwidth for high-definition from the terrestrial channels, will that damage the take-up of HD services in general? Well, I, I mean, I think from the, from the numbers we talked about at the beginning, that HD is already a huge success. You know, we've got 292,000 people already signed up to, to HD, and we can only see that continuing. We really can't comment on what's going on in the rest of the market. One of the things that's definitely happening out there, though, is people are getting ready for HD. There are more HD TVs being sold than ever before. Uh, my estimates um, suggest that about 4 million HD TVs will be sold this year, which means that uh, around about six million homes will be HD ready for this Christmas. So, so d- definitely the the UK population have voted with their feet and uh, and and gone out and bought the TVs. And and, and we're you know we're trying to offer them the best service we possibly can. And we hope that you know other other broadcasters will will get involved and 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 deliver great t- HD TV services as well. Now there are rumours again on the forums of a next generation set top box which will allow home distribution of programmes over a number of TV sets. Is this likely to happen? And, and if it does, will it include HD material? Well, we, we've, we've got many products in development in our product development team, and, and the, the product development guys are, are working away to, to improve some, and some of them will be, you know, come to market faster than others, others as we get them right. And I really wouldn't want to sort of promise some promise that they'll deliver something that they're still working on so for now we'll leave them to get on with it and, and as soon as we've got something you 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 and your uh, listeners will be the first to know about it well that's great news and finally for today sky's been at the cutting edge of new programming and services for well, numbers of years now what exciting tidbits can you tell us about any new technology or, or any new services which you're you're planning to bring to subscribe subscribers think, sorry yeah i mean it's going to be exciting few years uh, um you know, TV has moved on massively over the over the last few years. If you think back, only only a year ago, um, it was we launched we, we launched Sky HD. Um, but in the, since then, we've added uh, added broadband to Sky's portfolio of products. We've changed our telephony product. We've added Sky on uh, Sky Mobile TV, so you can watch um, watch Sky on your mobile. We've added a PC download service. So a vast amount has already happened in the next year. And so over the next year, you know, those, those products will continue to change and improve, and you'll be able to watch continue to you know, be able to watch more programs in different ways on many devices. So I I can't share specific specifics at the moment, but watch this space because there's a lot of exciting things coming in the future. Hilary, thanks very much for uh, for joining us today. And if anybody wants to find out any more about Sky Services, Sky Anytime, Sky HD and so on, where can they go to find out more details? Now, the best place to start is always um, sky.com, www.sky.com.
Thank you very much for taking the time out to answer our questions today, Hilary. Thanks very much. Made by enthusiasts. For enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie, thanks. This is the AV Podcast. Our thanks to Hilary Perchard from Sky TV for taking time out to talk about uh, Anytime TV and Sky HD. Any of you guys have the new formats at home? Neil? Uh, I uh, have recently obtained a PlayStation 3. That is my only uh, in-house HD source at the moment. I'm lucky enough that I get to see lots of other people's HD sources, though. Will you be joining the Sky HD bandwagon? Yes, is the short answer to that. I've held off as long as I could. I I think that there is a real benefit now um, on the channels that are broadcasting HD, and in particular the BBC HD content is absolutely superb. I'm going to go for it. And Mark, uh, do you have Sky HD at home? Yes, yeah, I um, I succumb to the Sky HD. I think I had laid it on like, the second day they were actually delivering because I, I got the I want one, I want one now syndrome. So, <laughs> and I was lucky enough to get it. They've had a, a couple of hiccups, but as Neil said, the BBC One preview channel is absolutely incredible. By, by far the best channel on there for HD content and I just love them to see more and more channels because most of the stuff that's actually made now is actually done in HD so there's no reason why they can't. Yep and I've got to say I've actually been quite impressed with with Sky's HD productions. I don't normally watch it but I sat and watched Brainiac the other night which was done in HD. Stunning stuff. Looks excellent. So there we go. I think that's all we've got time for this week. So my thanks to Mark Cheffins. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for letting me come on and rabble. It's been great. And uh, as always, thanks very much to Neil Davidson. Thank you, Neil. No problem. And uh, that rounds up our home cinema podcast for this month. Don't forget, we'll be back again in August with another feature-packed home cinema podcast. And if you have any questions for myself, Neil, Mark, or anybody else on the podcast, or you want to come on yourself and uh, maybe ask some questions, get involved with our chats on the AV industry in general, then send us an email to help at avpodcast.co.uk and we'll make sure that we uh, make that happen for you. So that's it for this month. We'll see you again in August. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content including sound clips and music is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.